I'm going to invite you this morning to stand for the reading of the Word of God found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. I was telling my wife this is kind of a retrospective, introspective, reflective, going forward type of message. And, um, and as I thought about what I was doing with this, I said, you know, we can't just look back. I gotta do some preacher stuff in it so at the end we get a little preacherly. But I, I want to run through a time frame for you that on October 4, 2015, and some people are going to remember this date very specifically because of what happened. It was the week before our 180th anniversary celebration. The message I spoke that day was called Four Hearts about the parable of the sower. On that particular day, Diane came forward and she started the change that began in our church that day. She was the first fruit. Do you remember that day? That day was the beginning. The following week we had the huge, huge 180th celebration with chairs set up over here and uh, crowds out the door waiting in line to eat that day and the dedication of the plaque. You might remember that. Also, during that time, John Watts took very ill. During that time, John Watts was going to be taken off of life support, the feeding tube taken out, and they did. And John was restored to health within a few hours. God did that. That was the beginning of the miracles that began to happen on a regular basis here. And on that 18th day of October, we had little candles. And I gave everybody a candle and said, let this be a reminder that you are a light to the world. And on that day... This was the name of the sermon. B1. It's been hanging on the wall for most of the last two years. In the following week, we were asked to let go of our comfort zones. I can't hold it all, so I'll just show you. It was B180. And we learned that we are a church on Highway 80. One church on Highway 80 that can make a difference. And you can be one person on Highway 80 who makes a difference. And God can turn you 180 degrees to be a 180 type person. God was showing us a little bit more about this turning 80 kind of life. The following week we talked about the 180 life. And we talked about Aloha Hawaii where we leave comfort zones to take risks for God. And then, on October, excuse me, November 15th, an auspicious sermon title called Jerry Knows. Maybe you remember that one. It was from Jeremiah 29.11 the very verse I just read for you, for the sermon today, which is called Jerry 
still knows. What a way to bookend this uh, plans with the plans verse and message. And starting with that sermon and going forward, we enter what I call the transformational messages. Talking about God's transforming in my life and in others. These principles we've been discussing are truths. And I want to share with you one more time where it came from. You may remember this story. I'll never forget it. And it's strange how God moves things in cycles. At the time in my life, in June of 2015, in May, I was so far behind in work, it looked like I was in first place. Because nobody else was nearby. I was setting bad examples. And one day I walked into the office of vocational rehab where I'm supposed to turn my monthly reports in on the 5th of every month. And on that day it was June 11th, and I was there to hand a couple of them in, not all. And when the voc rehab counselor said, uh, uh, we're about these other guys' reports, I said, I'll have them to you soon. And then she said, okay. And then I said this, you'll never have to wait a day late on these again. She said, okay, that's fine. No worries. They had extended grace that I didn't deserve, that I didn't earn, and that they weren't holding me to the fire about it. They were very kind and said, Get it as soon as you can. We're not worried. We have till the end of the month to do the work, so don't worry. Well, after that, I told her, and I told her that I would never be late again. I walked out of my uh, meeting into the warm June air on uh, South 6th Street in Paducah. And if you remember what I said, this is what I did. I said, God, I just told her I wouldn't have this stuff late, and I haven't been long time in months and I said God I just said that and um, I don't know what I'm going to do and I heard God very clearly say there's a plan and I said God I don't have any plans it's not your plan it's my plan it's God's plan you keep trying to do your plan you see where that ends up you got to trust my plan and let my plans for you go into effect I will show you if you will follow me and that began this transformation inside of me to begin to be able to share the messages we started in that November Sunday that year. And you might not remember the crazy, crazy, funny sermon from Jonah called Plans Change. I didn't put it on here, but it was the first one in the P series. Plans Change. And I showed 27 different times Jonah's plans changed. 27 different changes in just three chapters. We talked about that and how God wants to change our plans. We don't know when or how He's going to do it, but He just does it, right? And so He began that story of Jonah with the change that Jonah didn't want to do God's work. And it took him about 27 different turns and plans to change before he finally said yes. I thought it would take us about, maybe about 12 to 16, maybe 20 weeks to get through all the plans, letters. But God's plans were different than mine, obviously. 
The P words that we began with, and a lot of people like that title of that sermon, reminded us of this, and this is what all the P word sermons were about. We must recognize the need to change before we will ever embrace the changes God wants to make. That we have to recognize the need to change that we cannot do before we'll ever embrace what God wants to do in our lives. That's where I was at on that day on South 6th Street. I needed a change. I couldn't make it. And God said He would. So, I want to share with you that Jeremiah 29.11 about the plans God has for us has a little more to the story and you need to hear this. It's actually a letter. A part of a letter that Jeremiah sends from Jerusalem where he is into the Jews who are, are Israelites, if you will, who are taken into captivity. Brand new. They're going to be there 70 years in captivity. And he says to them, while they're in the beginning of 70 years, that God has the thoughts toward them of peace, not evil, to give them hope and a future. If you're hearing that you're going to captivity by your enemy, and God's saying, I'm not thinking evil of you, you're thinking, well, what does this look like? What does my life look like if the enemy is running my life and I cannot? And God says, I've got a plans to give you a future and a hope. The thoughts that He thinks are, are the plans that He has. All those words, thoughts, plans, are the exact same correct meaning. And so God is trying to tell us through this verse that in the midst of a captivity, God's got plans. If you're stuck, God's got plans. If you don't know where you're going, God's got plans. You don't have to know God's plans for Him to have them. All you have to do is trust that He has them and be ready to walk in them. This is what we began with the P words talking about that we can't get out of it. We talked about perimeters and uh, we talked about the uh, prison mentality, how we think that if I can just have enough for me to eat, make it through this day, that's enough. And we, we got stuck. We get stuck in our walk with God because we don't know there's more. And so we began to dissect how we get stuck and that we can't change that. This letter from Jeremiah reminded us that we were captive just as they were. But God has called us out of the yoke of bondage and to never be enslaved again. As our verse says, our theme verse for the year. Galatians 5.1 And because of that, God is calling us freely to live as free people if we'll let Him lead us out. And so what we did is we took the P words and said, we can't make our way out of it. And we're stuck. And we move to the L words. And the L words told us that this is how we try to find the solution, which doesn't work, and the things that don't work that we've tried, and how it doesn't get God's work done for some reason. And we talked about um, leveling up, down and even. Always trying to make things. Well, I'm going next level. Sometimes it was down though, right? Because we're always trying to make stuff happen. And the elders brought us to understand that our best efforts aren't going to get God's work done unless God has initiated it first. And so we talked about that. 
for a while. And I really, really thought that when we got through those, that one of those things that um, really touched my heart was the looking, a couple of sermons called Looking Back, Looking Forward, and Looking Now. If you remember those, we were talking about our lives, the way they are, the way we think they should be, and the way they could be. We began to talk about this concept that God was showing me about accessing different time zones. And time zones are areas of life where you're not living for today, you're living for the God's future for tomorrow. That time zone. That I'm living now like I belong where God says I'm going to be tomorrow. So I'm living for His kingdom today where I'll be in eternity rather than here and now. And we began to look at how that looked like. And as we began to move through the L words, we began to see that. And we also learned we cannot get ourselves out of captivity. We learned our ways do not work. And that brought us to some verses in Ephesians that were really powerful for me at that time. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. I have them on the screen for you. It says, God of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may give to you the Spirit of wisdom, we talked about that, and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that means you start to know God's ways, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, that's the first thing we talked about, the riches of the glory of His inheritance for us, which is inheritance now and later in the saints. The eyes of your... The next verse... It's stuck. There it is. And what is the exceeding greatness? And this is the one I wanted you to look at. The exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. We talked about the power of God that can help us make these changes that we can't make. And it's according to the working of His mighty power. God's doing the work in us as a church and individuals to help us see that He's going to do the work that we need to do. And it's the same power in us that God is using that He used when He raised Jesus from the dead. That same power that raises the dead to life is alive in this church. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you who belong to God. And we seem to limit ourselves from that kind of power. And so what we had to learn through the A words, which I'll share with you in just a moment, is that when God seated Christ in the heavenly places above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age which is to come. He knew what He was doing, didn't He? Well, I share this with you because the A words began to show us that other solutions, including best efforts, do not work without God. That we were going to put God in everything we did here at the church. As a matter of fact, on that Vision Sunday is where I think this was about the time that those A words were in effect. We began to talk about, we're not doing anything without God's power. We're not doing that His authority. And we needed to know that God had to do the work and not us. Because we tried a lot of different things, we kept looking in the wrong direction or the wrong way. And when we submitted to God's authority in our lives, things started to happen that were really wonderful. And during those A words, we got to hear about uh, acting up in church. 
<laughs> Y'all might remember that one. That was one of the funnest sermons I ever preached. And we talked about access denied. Where Satan says you can't have what God says. But we're telling him he is no longer accessing us. No longer has access to us. We talked about that and how that that was important. And um, there was a sermon that was called Awful. Y'all remember that one? I said they have an awful sermons for Sunday. That kind of play on words. We talked about awful as well. And uh, had a lot of fun with those A words. But we needed to know that God not only had to do the work, but we had to sometimes get to the point of despair. And what we do in those words brought us to that place. So we could begin to see that what we try to do just brings us further down rather than up. And I'm so thankful for that because we needed a reminder of that. And we're to see that God has been faithful to lead us. And then our friends, the N-words... I, this was a this was I think a transitional one of the most important sets of messages I ever shared with you, and it talked about the necessity of the plan, how to avoid the pitfalls, and to keep growing in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you remember um, no fish mm-hmm. or no doubt or no good. All talking about God putting us in the right frame of mind so we could do the thing or the next blessing. I love that message. And uh, one of my favorite messages and the one that a lot of people talk about was names and numbers. Y'all remember that when we talked about the stars and how many there were per person and that each of them had a name and you had a portion of them, what that number was. Had a lot of mathematical figures, scientific stuff in there, right? But that was planned. And, and so we really got to a point where we were looking at how... The necessity of God's plan was, was there for us, the pitfalls to keep growing in it. And I thought, man, that's really great. But there was something missing all along. Because the P, the L, the A, and the N words were all showing us the workings of how God plans things out richly for our lives. But the S words were a lot different. A whole lot different tone in those messages. And maybe you don't remember exactly but one of the first messages, the very first one was struggle. And you think, well, I've got God's thing all around. What's this struggle thing? The struggle was to say it's over. You don't have to struggle anymore. But you have to strive. And we began to work through the yes words. And every last one of these had a very specific thought behind it. And that thought was, we're starting the task God has for us. We need encouragement. Uh, and motivation to act on God's plans. So I tried to bring forth messages of getting us motivated, ready to do things. And the last sermon in the S words was start. One of the more powerful messages, I think, that I've shared in a while. So my underlying thought for this whole series was this. We do not grow in comfort zones. Our mindsets are established early in life. And they, distorted as they may be, make sense to us. This is how we got to do things to make things happen. Then the Holy Spirit changes our complacency and we no longer are satisfied with what doesn't work because it's not God's ways. We begin to be humbled before the presence of God and God's trying to get us to see His mercy and grace in action. 
And once our complacency has changed, we must learn new ways of thinking about us, about God, about church, about ministry, about living and responding according to what God has shown us. This was the underlying thought throughout the last two years. And now that we're at the end of it, we have to act on the promises, the plans, and the purposes of God. This is what the plans messages have been about, getting us ready to act on the promises, plans, and purposes of God for us individually and as a church. Now it's time to go forward with those plans. We are ready, and I'm willing. I say I'm willing. But God had to get me ready over the last month to do what we're about to do next. Because in no way in my life up to this point could I have ever shared what I'm going to share next week with you going forward. Because I just didn't know that I could. When I was at the AACC conference back in September, I felt God tell me, do not be afraid. And I said, oh, I'm afraid of what? He had no idea what he was talking about. A couple days later, I began to understand. He began to show me some things that I needed to see. You see, God brought us together as pastor and church for a very, very specific reason, but also for some plans He wants to accomplish. And, and I didn't understand throughout the whole plan service that this was getting us ready for the specific reason that those plans could be put in place. But we had to learn God's faithfulness and trust and His loyalty to us and that He's going to stick with it and provide His power. We, we saw miracle after miracle. Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, we heard people after people telling great things. Jackie's a miracle. I, never, I didn't mention hers. And Brenda in the pantry was another one. We, all, we saw so many different things. Ginger said crying up on stage saying about how only God could have orchestrated this person's life to be saved. Do you remember? And we're beginning to see God's power and that He would act whether or not we knew He could. But we had to have this confidence, this courage within that God is going to be there regardless of circumstance and so that we could be open enough to talk about the reason that we're together here and then how to live those plans out because of that togetherness. I'm not talking cryptically. I'm talking about the fact that God has infinite more wisdom than we do brought me as a pastor who needed a church and a church who needed a pastor with the same kind of stuff in the background. The same kind of need the same kind of thing stirring inside, and, and I, I didn't see that, you know, mine was the same as yours. Because it was different. But it's not. Next Sunday I'm going to talk about that a little bit. Probably a lot of it. One of the most difficult messages I will ever speak is the reason I think God told me not to be afraid. You see, next week we'll begin to uncover the things the enemy has left covered and convinced that we don't need to look at. He convinced me I didn't need to talk about those things. 
The healing hand of time heals all, or so I thought. But that is not true. Only God heals, restores, and strengthens. It is by Jesus Christ's stripes we are healed. And no other way. It doesn't say by the time's stripes. By Jesus Christ we live in the healing. We are alive because of His wounds for our transgressions. The enemy uses distance, distraction, and denial to keep us stuck. We are going to use determination, direction, and discernment to overcome the enemy. The enemy says, I'll come in like a flood. God said, I'm going to raise a standard up against him. The enemy says, we're washed up as a people, as a church, as a faith. Jesus says, we're washed clean and washed white as snow. The enemy says we're too small to make a difference and whispers in our ears. And Jesus said we're small enough to know that God makes the difference, not us. If you remember the story of Gideon, and I've told it here before, when he had an army going up against, I believe it was 100,000 or maybe 300,000, and he had several thousand people getting ready to take on this army. God said that's too many you will think you did it. And so he whittled them down and whittled them down and whittled them down until finally, going up against those thousands of people were 300 Gideonites. Men who followed Gideon. And Gideon was scared. He put out a fleece and said, if you really mean this, take care of this fleece. And, and God showed him. And he said, forgive me God, but this is still scary. I'm putting the fleece out one more time. Do this. And God did it again. He said, okay, God, at your word, we'll do it. And God said, you're not ready yet. You've got to get rid of your weapons. <laughs> you're just going to have, uh, as I always say, pottery jars in your hands and nothing else. And Gideon goes, why are you putting us in this awkward position? And God said, because you're going to think you did it otherwise. There's nobody going to say, yeah, we defeated 100,000 men with clay pitchers and 300 guys because we're good. It's just not going to happen. And so when we start hearing whispers in our mind, we're too small. God said, no, you're not. You're going to see what I'm doing through you. And you're going to know why I did it, not you. And God said, you're the right size for this. And I've got the pieces in place through the plans message to make it happen. The enemy says, other churches are bigger, better, fancier, more stuff to offer. Jesus tells us and has convinced us we're the church small enough to see the pain and the hope in each individual's eyes that walks in. We're not about making people have something to do, but to love them as they are. We're the church for broken, hurting people. They come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes I ask myself, God, is this really what you want us to do? Because, you know, sometimes this can be, you know, time consuming and a lot of work to help people see 
your way of doing things compared to their way of doing things because they never were instructed or so far removed, they don't know. And he said, would you rather have someone who knows my ways or thinks they do and tell you you're doing it wrong? Or would you rather have someone open to being loved and led and guided? Even if they're misdirected at times, they're willing to be cared for. What kind of person do you want to see? We're too small to let anybody fall through the cracks. Praise God for that. It matters to each of us. And we each matter or none of us do. It's the same way with the Word of God. It's all true or none of it's true. God is perfect in all His ways. The enemy says... Let's despair and try to disrupt things and create rumors and gossip. But Jesus has come to restore hope and renew unity in oneness with Him. He even prayed it in the prayer in John 17 that they would be one as you and I are one, that we would all be one in you, Heavenly Father, to create unity in us. The enemy whispers and discourages your attendance and questions your relevance for the church and whether you matter or not or if you can make a difference. Jesus looks at it like this. He encourages participation in ministry and witness of His glory in and through this church, not yours. If you're going to serve Jesus Christ, He will lift you up. But if you're looking for your own value and worth rather than His by worship and ministry, He can't exalt you because you're trying to exalt yourself. The enemy looks and says, you know, remember back in the day of the big shebang and the years passed when we had a bunch of folks in the church and your best days are all behind you. You might as well just just be a Sunday morning church and and uh, on Sunday afternoon go home, eat lunch, and forget you were even there until next Sunday. You might as well because your best days are behind you. And Jesus says, I know the plans I have for you. Not the ones I had, not the ones I did, the ones I have to give you hope and a future. Jesus Christ has promises a hope and a future. So whose voice is going to tell you what the future of your life and this church holds? The enemy or Jesus Christ? Who are you going to listen to? The voices of doubt, despair, and question? Or the voices that say, I know what I'm going to do through you. I've been preparing you for this moment. I believe... And I know if you've been asking him, that he would tell you that he was getting me ready too. Mm -hmm. Two years ago when I saw this, the plan in June of 2015, I had no clue how to do what God is asking us to do. I didn't even know I was supposed to. He had to work on me, and apparently it takes him a while. (laughs) 
And it takes us a while to be ready for what's next. But he's done it. Through the plans service and being a light, a 180 type of church where the used to be's can be here. I used to be that way, but God changed me into a new person. I am 180. I am one who's turned from the old way 180 degrees toward God. I am a used to be. And God had some work to do in me. And maybe you knew this better than I did. My wife would say, of course, I live with you. You only get to see me in small snippets. But here's the thing that you might not know. Is I love you all very much. And I desire that God's hopes, plans, and future for you come to pass. And that I can help with that. That I can help be a part of this church and grow it for many, many years. To be a part of what God's doing here. And to see the transformation that He said would come, come to pass. At the same time I say those words, it frightens me. Because I don't know all God has. I'm a person who likes to know stuff in advance. So I can do it. I like to have, you know, go do this and then do that. And then do this. I like it all laid out in front of me. But God's not doing that. So it makes me nervous. It means I have to trust Him. It means you have to trust Him also. And in some ways, you have to trust that I'm hearing from Him accurately. And sharing it with reverence, discretion, in the way He wants me to. And you have to trust that. And I promise you that doesn't happen day one. And not day two. And for some folks, it's really hard to trust anybody. Regardless. And I see that. I understand that. But this morning, at the end of this service, and at the end of this sermon, we say, we understand what kind of church says God says we are. And next week we're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of how it got there. And how I got here. And what it is within me that God called me here to bring. I'm not trying to get you to think about next week. I'm trying to tell you that God is ready. The enemy's been battling for a long time in this community with the vision and image of this church. And God's ready to change that. You're going to see God do great things here. I believe that. He's spoken it to my heart. I've begun to see the first fruits of that two years ago when Diane came forward. I was so excited when she told me what she told, told me that Wednesday at, at, at the food pantry. She said it on that uh, October 7th. I didn't have any idea what had happened. But God said, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going, great, let's do it. And He's going, slow down. Slow down. You can't move at the speed of light when we're walking in molasses. <laughs> People stuck in quicksand need a chance to figure out that they don't have to anymore. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, okay finally realized he's talking about me. 
and us. But I had to own that, and I do. And I'm ready for what God has for us next. Yes, it scares me, but God told me, do not be afraid. And if He tells me to not be afraid, it means it's going to be a challenge. It's going to take some courage on all our parts. But I'm willing to take the lead. Why? Because He said it's time. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do just one very simple thing, if you will, to join with me in prayer. I'm going to ask those who are willing to come join hands with me and at the front of the church to bond together in unity and say we're going to listen to the voice of God. We're going to go forward together and be the life and light and ministry of this church here forward. And I'm asking that we would pray together as one that we walk into God's plans and future together. This is what God has put on my heart for us to do today. And if you're willing, I invite you to do that right now.